and this is episode two, two of season two yeah of roman's rumens yep <laughs> roman's or shame we settled on that <laughs> yeah or episode 253 in the legacy numbering oh yeah we'll <clears throat> mention that as well right. which is you know right. that's what i prefer so oh yeah absolutely. lgy yeah but if we plus. if we mention lgby plus. <laughs> if we mention the uh legacy numbers with every episode in a new season then we can't cheat and skip a bunch of episodes when we go back to the true legacy numbering for the papcast that's true. Did you just oh. say Papcast? What is that? Yeah, it's awful, <laughs> isn't it? It feels gross. Welcome, welcome. Oh, there it is. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jing, I'm trying to make magic over here. No, 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 no. Hey, everybody. It's a safe time to start because Django's yeah. drinking something and he can't say something. Welcome to S Comics Place Presents <coughs> Romans Ruminants Season 2, Episode 2. Welcome in, welcome in. Thank you for joining us. Legacy numbering 253. I am always am Jeff, where you, dear listener, are the fourth stomach. I'm Django, and I'm so glad to have you, dear listener, uh, fourth to our trio of stomachs. And I'm Ruminant. I mean, Roman. Sorry. Hi. <laughs> Roman. On Romans Rumens, we like to read comics think about comics, and then talk about comics. You know why? Because it's a comic book podcast, obviously. Oh. oh, I wasn't trying to add anything. I was just trying to be oh. a hype man. Oh, Django, story <laughs> of my relationship what? with Django. What? Django Boren. <laughs> I wasn't trying to add anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, everybody. It's really nice to see you all here for the second episode of the second season of this fair podcast. It's just been a blast. The responses that we've gotten so far have blown us out of the water. Turns out, uh, you know, search engine optimization, it likes Roman's ruminants way more than it likes PAP. Only, um, only podcast about roomy, rumens. Yeah, our favorite. Yeah. Our favorite. Uh, and if anyone's <laughs> curious, the sound that you're hearing in my voice is just a little uncertainty because not, not long before we sat down to start recording, I, I found a $575 fraudulent charge on my bank account. But Roman looked me in the eye. He said, stare at my rumens, and he resolved the issue. I got an email from one William Elmer here. Happy season two, episode two. That still sounds weird. So happy episode 253 legacy numbering in season two episode two of ted lasso we find footballer roy kent making a career change and trying something outside of his comfort zone that he turns out to be pretty good at additionally we see jamie tart attempting to rejoin afc richmond after writing off the football club with no intention of returning what is a comic that you ended up loving that was perhaps outside your normal comfort zone and or you initially wrote it off and later found out that it was actually the right book for you after all. Hugs and kisses, William Elmer. Thank you for the email, William. Why was that email about Ted Lasso? It's always, it's a, he always, you know. Everything's about Ted. Finds Ted, a way to relate Ted, a number Ted Lasso to a was thing. life. 
Yeah, well, that's ropes it. ropes the other. Po- oh, it's the other podcast. It's the the Ted Lasbros. He ropes that in. He like didn't he, mention he, it. He lassos that theme in. Yeah. He's done Simpsons ones like before. It. He's done comic book <clears throat> ones before. Today I ended up on Ted Lasso, a comic book run or series that I wasn't going to read that I ended up reading and loving. Uh, one that jumps to mind is Hot Lunch Special Ooh. from Aftershock Comics. Because in general, I don't find myself particularly drawn to crime books. And that's one that I ended up liking a lot. And uh, yeah, partially because I love the art in it. But I mean, you could almost say that for the crime genre for me, like Darwin Cook's crime stuff is something I would on one hand think I wouldn't necessarily care for that much. And then Mm -hmm. absolutely love. That's that's my most recent one that comes to mind. What about you, gentlemen? Um, I would say for me, probably like a very, very recent one, because I only really have a memory of weeks these days is, yeah. uh, the, the, what's the dark Knights one, the, the Tom Taylor, mm, dark Knights of steel, dark Knights of steel, uh, which is the DC universe set in the knights and swords and dragons time that's a great answer that actually makes me think deceased was a book that Mm -hmm. by all merit seemed like i wouldn't like it because i don't love zombie stuff at this point and it was just like continued defy expectation every issue roman what about you you've got a storied career with comic books i wouldn't mind hearing a little bit about what's defied your explanations yeah that's that's a hard that is a hard one to answer because it's like i like all the genres um and he remains open like a gaping (laughs) maw uh open i guess something recent would maybe be uh oh i don't know task force z maybe oh, kind of are you liking me. that it's not yeah. great but i'm liking it i mean i'm not a big suicide squad fan anyway um, suicide in general is kind of a bummer yeah yeah um though i think though the first one came to mind i, I guess some of the archie stuff from oh, a couple years ago like the yeah. jughead werewolf series and some of that really surprised me that's a really I would good even call. say the the basic archie stuff from a few years ago yeah like, the wade staples like the zadarsky and wade and yeah yeah, yeah the just the main titles yeah good thing that it was good because we went on a three-year hiatus from saga so that fiona staples could draw archie for <laughs> you know six issues or whatever just preload it <laughs> you um like we're gonna be talking about a handful of books this week and i can't wait to share them all with you because here on romans rumens you are the fourth stomach first we're gonna be talking about swamp thing green hell then we're gonna be talking about infernos number four mm. then oh, number four like the stomachs in our podcast including also, you, dear uh, listener we're gonna be talking about the fourth man which is you dear listener <laughs> We're also going to talk about the human target number three, and we're going to talk a little bit about Marjorie Finnegan number eight, I think. The final that's issue. Two fours. That's two fours. And you know what? Also, a lot of, a lot of threes came out this week, I noticed, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, uh, a knows? couple weeks ago, everything number twoed. Maybe we'll buckshot. Maybe we won't. Who knows? Who knows? We're here to have a good time. And mostly we accomplish that by sitting on a Zoom call together, looking at each other's faces under the in the masquerade that we're here to ruminate on rumens. And mm. that is what this has always been. So before we get this, before we take our hands into our tummies and pull the bottom of it out of our mouths mm-hmm. and share sure. our tummy thoughts, um let's get let's get into let's get into it right i agree let's ruminate let's let's gesticulate let's is rumalod it's roman's rumalod roman's roomy rumalod roman's spacious (laughs) rumalod roomy like like i know it's like large it's it's spacious (laughs) it's got big old eyes he's got roomy peepers roman's (laughs) roomy peepers 
Um, Django and I will take a room a lot. However, it's oftentimes mayo based, and neither of us are huge mayo heads. Roman, God, I love mayo. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Slather me up in that room a lot. Yeah, that's the oh. thing about Roman's ruminants is uh, season two of Roman's ruminants. There's no ice cream on chest. It's just mayo bellies. <laughs> it's just mayo bellies. Just gooey ducks and mayo bellies. Oh. Chest's not big enough for all this mayo. Um, on season two, I support Django's jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uh, like I feel hmm. like you're not being. I feel like never mind. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh swamp thing green hell number one by jeff lemire doug monkey and david baron a black label book you can tell from the dimensions which is oversized <laughs> eight and a half inches by 11 <laughs> inches just like comics were meant to be swamp thing a character I'm interested in. I want to like. You've got the Alan Moore run, which is an all-time book. I've never finished the entire thing. Uh, then Scott Snyder had a run that was started pretty well and then kind of petered out at a midway point, you know, 15 or so issues in, got kind of labored in a crossover with Animal Man, which was also written by Jeff Lemire, which is sort of, uh, this seems to have some roots <laughs> in as well. <laughs> See, I um, laugh at yours. I, I am laughing at yours also. I'm a changed man. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, and so there's been a variety of other Swamp Thing series between those two that stand out in my mind, but none of them have ever gotten real hooks inside of me, but I always want to like the character. Uh, there was some Rom V stuff happening lately. Uh, so, so here we go. We got a black label one by some creators that we know and like monkey Lemire. What did you two think about this oversized Swamp Fest? Roman? Little crotch rot? I liked it. Um, because I love Swamp Thing, and this is it's in the future or some you know black label future for whatever that's worth. Um, and it's Alec Collins Swamp Thing, which I've been thinking about. I don't know why I'm, I'm enjoying the Rom V Swamp Thing series, but it's not Alec Holland. And even though you know it's a well written series and all, I don't know why it matters to me, but I only care about Swamp Thing when it's Alec Holland. Hmm. <laughs> and this is and this is him, so classic Swamp Thing, I'm all for it. Yeah, it was a little confusing. I, I do, like you said, it was. Uh, it's, it takes place in some unknown kind of apocalyptic future where much of humanity is dead, and yeah. the issue starts a little bit doing some of the stuff I didn't like, a little up its own butt for a couple of pages when it's like the rot and the green and the red all talking to each other. Oh, I love uh, that. <laughs> I I liked it, but it, it was hard for me to follow. Like learn, like needing to recount which bubble was which person or which entity and they all kind of spoke different and it wasn't bad but it, it was a uh, it it took me i had to gain some momentum with the series uh, i could definitely see that if i mean i read all the animal man stuff and all the swap thing stuff back in like morrison's day because i think that's when they entered him and alan moore introduced the green and the red okay yeah, um, and the, the rot didn't happen until scott snyder's run i think yeah yeah so definitely it's helpful if you've read all those. <laughs> yeah, and I I'm, I was sort of like trying to personify it or like, all right, which one of these forces is like the good one? And I'm like, oh, it doesn't seem like any of them are good ones. They're just sort of eternal forces that exist and are. Yeah, it used to be that the, the green was the good one. Yeah. But that's kind of seems a little iffy too. But it seems like humanity was created by the red, but essentially with the red, the rot, and the green decide they've got to 
get rid of all the humans and bring forth a new avatar for the red so that the balance of rot life and green <laughs> could go on. Uh, so they, they bring a very icky, bad swamp thing to the world. And he starts killing a bunch of people. What I really liked in this issue was we're in this small kind of town and there's some people that we don't know. And we're kind of getting to know them. And the whole time there's this foreboding, like, yeah, we don't want to go up to the, the lighthouse bad stuff. We, we don't go up there. We don't want them coming down here. We don't want to go there. And so there's this mystery of who it is the whole time. Django somehow knew right off the bat that there was going to be who it was, but I, I was surprised. I really liked the way that built in. And I thought it was, a, it was a good, a good little character reveal in there. Yeah. Are we, are we spoiling it? Yeah. We spoil on Rumen's here. Yeah, we're going to be Yeah. Spoiling. Yeah, four by the time you bellies get to the fourth, of secrets. Everything's spoiled. Everything's it's spoiled. the rot. The fourth that part, is the rot. It's just curdled milk. Cheese. Sorry, dear listener. <laughs> Sorry, fourth tummy listener. Uh, I, I thought that the, so of course, because it's Jeff Lemire, we got a really touching relationship between uh, yeah. dad and a kid. And we also got kind of, kind of like not really a Jeff Lemire staple, some amazing violence. Yeah. Like, like Garth Ennis sort of. Yeah. Uh, Dylan decapitations and partial decapitations and uh, green through your face and then yanked out of your head decapitations. Like a lot of missing heads in there. Yeah. Um, torsos, just torsos. Yeah. The the one where the, the swamp monster stabs through the lady's eyeball. Yeah. I thought was probably my favorite of all of the, the violence in here. Um, and then by the, by the end, of course, we've got John Constantine cause he's, you know, he's, he's swamp things kind of counterpart on earth his reveal is so great because it's old man constantine and he's just sitting up in this place with a giant ashtray filled with cigarettes he's just been sitting there drinking and smoking alone and i love that image of a lonely sad person drinking and smoking themselves to death i ah one day i too he has to to end like well i think he has to end saving the day and finally sacrificing himself just like the end of his story has to be that, but there has to be a long stretch there where he's finally burned all of his friends enough that nobody will talk to him anymore. Um, I love and, the little, oh, go ahead. Huh. Uh, I love the little detail that he's not only got the, his typical red tie, but he's got the, the, um, I don't know what you call those, those loose fitting like red socks that are falling down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I and I don't that. know, like you guys, I don't know how how familiar Roman is with with John, but the little girl looks a lot like the little girl who he lost in one of his first big spells. Oh, she looks a little bit like Astra, who who Constantine accidentally condemns to hell and ended up like the portal closed, and he only has her hand or her arm at the end of mm. the spell, and she's like one of the first ghosts that ever haunted him. So I'm hoping that that kind of comes into play here. Wow. Now did. Did Lemire do the uh, the last Animal Man series? He did the New Fifty Two one, um, and that may have been the most recent one that there was. I'm kind of yeah. Thinking. I think there was like the last Animal Man story or the death of Animal Man or something. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering that if uh, Lemire's going to bring Animal Man Buddy Baker into the story too, because he was oh. he was the uh, the representative of the Red. That would mm-hmm. be that would be rad. I would love. To I see liked. That. I liked everything in here except for the red, the rot, and the the green discussion. I, I could have done with like it's it's four pages long. I would have been happy with two. Yeah, it, it that that was the hardest part for me. And I I don't 
I don't have a problem with it, but it, I think in terms of establishing a basis of understanding, if you're a new reader, I do think it starts to make sense. But I think like Roman said, if you've read all of it, it probably is much more uh, obvious on the surface, mm-hmm. but the way that they speak and just trying to decipher a relationship between the three of them, I, you know, I was trying to remember what was the Lemire Snyder stuff or what was more stuff or what is, you know, I, so that was a little confusing for me. That's just on my part as a generally kind of new reader. But I do think that, I do think it was one of the better books that came out this week. Yeah. And I think that if you have ever been interested in Swamp Thing, this is a good one. It feels like some of, you know, I, I, I think I have a strange persona with black label books. Maybe they're, I forget to read them sometimes <laughs> and the size is inconvenient for me, but like the Hellblazer, uh, Tom Taylor one was great. And this feels kind of like that. The mm-hmm. question one was really good. And this feels kind of like that, like these short, you know, stories. I, I, th- I think that's where I really like black label. And I guess they're all kind of that, but there's also ones that Batman damned and whatnot that I don't like as much. You just don't like Batman's ween. I love Batman's ween. That's where he keeps his fourth stomach. He's got an enormous ween and also kind of small stomach. So. I would give this. Uh, I didn't think it looked that big. I mean, it's a it's a big it's it's a large it's small for a stomach, large for a ween. If it's a stomach, it's a small stomach. No, it looked like a normal sized penis to me. <laughs> I don't know. It looked like a normal sized penis to me. <laughs> Looks very familiar. You're saying it's large. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go tell, I'm going to go tell some people that it is large. Hey, Sam, it's large. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would give this uh, 8.25 Swamp Thing Green Hell, number one. What would you give it, Roman? I'd give it a solid nine. I had 8.5 slash nine written and I'm actually going to go nine. I I really liked the way that the reveals were doled out. I liked the art in it a lot as well. Um, And it's kind of the Doug Monkey art even kind of reminds me of the travel foreman art that was in Animal Man at the beginning of that New 52 run that was then he was taken off of it. But like the liney sketchiness of it, it's a little, you know, a little weird, a real, a little ephemeral. I don't know what that word means, actually. Um, Uh, It means it means an animal with an odd number of stomachs. Oh, okay, cool. Well, that's not us. Nope. Well, I mean, nope. it's us, but we are accompanied by a fourth listener, and you are the tummy. Yes. I am? Well, no, you're the third tummy. You're the third. Oh. You're our third. You're our third. But where is number nine? Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. <laughs> I hated that joke from that old podcast we used to do. Man. So glad the, we got rid of it. In the store on Tuesday, we, you were playing Beatles, or maybe it was Wednesday, I don't know. But Beatles was playing, and... That song came on and I rushed over to the counter, but you were upstairs and I was like, oh, it's playing the song. Jeff is in here. I couldn't believe Sean it. was playing the Beatles. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, it only exists as a story to me. I don't see anything at all. <laughs> Infernos number four, Jonathan oh. Hickman, Valerio Shitty and Stefano Caselli. <laughs> Shitty. Um, this is the end of Jonathan Hickman's X-Men run. He wrote, House and Powers. Then he wrote the main X-Men book for a bit. He did some New Mutant stuff. Crossed over on a thing called Ten of Swords. Went back to just doing X-Men stuff. Not much of it. A couple more issues came out. Some giant size issues came out. Giant size X-Men. Uh, like Storm and whatnot. Phantom X. Then Inferno. Oh, there's Gala. That wasn't even that big. And then there was, yeah, Inferno. So, you know, really House and Powers, the X-Men book, and Inferno are the, the Hickman stuff. This is the end of all of it. Um, kind of the... The end of what has been the my favorite part of comics for the last like four years. And 
I am of I'm conflicted about it because you know I liked it. It it was more of what I loved about the Hickman stuff. I read it. I was so excited to be reading it. Like I you know went to your house to pick it up as soon as it came in, which I'm seldom that excited about a comic book. You're never that excited about a comic book. And I read it a second time today and was still just like super pumped about reading it. Um, it's the only time where I'm just like so anxious to be reading a comic. Like I just, I'm enjoying every word, but I'm also like holding back my excitement to just be on the next page and know what's going to happen. Like that level of excitement doesn't really happen with me with much of anything, especially, you know, uh, a comic book that's been coming out this long and it's easier to have excitement near the beginning of something. So, um, you know, it's the end of that. And that is a bummer that it's over. It's a mixed, it's a bittersweet thing. I think that this was very good. I think it probably could have been better had it, had he not been collaborating with everybody, had the sort of order not come down to stay in this sort of Dawn of X Krakoa thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there was some room for it to be better. But that being said, I think that they, I'm really impressed with how he tied up all the loose ends of the house and powers, multiple lives, reality thing. I really liked that. And I think they did a fantastic job of letting his story come to a climax and then have something happen that kind of simultaneously ends his story and then allows the X-Men universe to go back to where it was even like a month and a half ago. Um, very seldom do I think you kind of get to have your cake and eat it too. And I think this mm -hmm. did that. All of that being said, um, you know, I can't help but also wonder about a world that maybe could have been. So Roman, what did you think? You read this. Um I feel much the same as you. I really, I really liked it all. There was a couple things. I mean, I got excited like maybe halfway through that. It, I thought, oh, um, and this isn't really a big spoiler because it happens Spoilers, to all everyone. the all the time now. Um, Charles and Magneto gets get killed, and I thought, oh, this will be interesting if the Quiet Council now is kind of ran by Mystique and Destiny and Emma Frost, and I and that's not quite how things ended up. Um, but I kind of wish it did because I'd, I'd be. Mm -hmm. That'd be pretty interesting to just see the X-Men ran, not by Charles and Magneto, but an X-Men as in the whole place yeah. being guided by just the women. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Charles and uh, Magneto get killed by the Omega Sentinel and Nimrod and the cradle was destroyed before that. So when they die, they are able to be reincarnated by Emma Frost, uh, who did uh, Jean reunited or uh, sorry, returned uh what is that word? Reanimated? Why can't oh, I think of that resurrected. word? Resurrected. Resurrected. Thank you. Resurrected Rumen. Charles. <laughs> he ruined. Ruined. Uh, early on, like X-Force, Charles had died and they brought him back. But uh, but because the cradle was dead when they died, they don't know about anything that happened in that room because they had to go back to the most recent backup. So I think uh, that's very interesting because now it allowed Hickman's thing to end in a climactic way. But because they died, it resets to a time where they don't actually remember what happened there. And kind of mm -hmm. reestablished. Um, that's cool. They Mystique and Destiny have a gun that turns Moira into a human, and then they're going to kill her because if they turn into a human and she dies, she won't be reincarnated. Right. It won't end that reality. But uh, then Cypher shows up, and he's Hickman's favorite character. And he's basically like, you know, we have laws here where you can't kill humans. And if you kill a human, you'll be banished in a pit forever. So I probably wouldn't do that. So they have to let Moira go. And it it's very clever. And that's what I love about a Hickman thing is it's they, very clever. They have to let Moira go as a human. Yeah. Is that reversible? Yeah. Probably at some point. Who knows? How many times, and I haven't read this, 
and I haven't read the last handful of Hickman issues, but how many times have we seen the scene where someone stands there with newly resurrected mutants and does that thing that we first saw Charles do? A handful where, of times. at least three or four. Yeah, wearing the Cerebro and yeah. looking down at the naked, naked wet people. Yeah, Sky, in Inferno number one, it shows that same scene with her standing there. So it bookends Inferno by playing okay. that scene. And I think House and Powers was maybe bookended by Charles doing that. Oh, okay. We saw like bookended that, and then it could have happened at other times as well. Nice. Um, I, th- yeah. I think it's a rule. If you get hold of even cosplaying, if you get hold of a cerebro helmet, you got to put it on and and go stand over the nearest naked people laying on the floor. Yeah, yeah. You got to go find some drippy wet nudes and stand <laughs> over them. It's just great. The art was pretty good, but it's just uh, you know, it's it's a ten for me because. I think there are things I can point out and bits that it could be better. But in reality, if I'm looking at the amount that I enjoyed it and my excitement for reading it and ability to enjoy it, even like a second time, uh, it's, it's, it's the top tier of what things pique my interest. So I give it, I give it a tenner. Yeah, it was a good, uh, good wrap up. They didn't, they, they, what's the phrase? They nailed the landing or whatever yeah. with, for the end of Hickman's run. And it, and it fit well with this week's uh, issue of X-Men. Cause there's some things in there that I, I won't spoil since you haven't read it but there's some well, cool I, things are there yeah i read the first half and then i saw the spoiler at the end so i'm not i'm not too worried uh, about spoilers uh on that one but i do think yeah they, they nailed the landing but that being said when it's your favorite series and your favorite author um it's kind of you know they nailed the landing but also it probably didn't live up to what i would have hoped it to be because it's my favorite thing so my favorite things are the ones that have the potential to blow my mind yeah. so yeah. we're back to trusting hickman that's what you're saying with the 10 yeah, I always trust Hickman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, geez, he made he made uh, what's his name Douglock interesting and cool. Yeah, <laughs> and he wrote that Fantastic Four book, so he's he's always got he's you know nobody can nail it quite like him in my mind or Morrison. But um, yeah, I don't know ten, 10 for me. Roman, what about you? What's your score? I gave it a nine and a half. Nice. I think yeah. that's a that's still a, re- a pretty generous score. Oh yeah, I gave it a. I'll have to read it someday. You're never gonna read it. I read one. <laughs> Django, you don't know how to read. Especially, especially the X-Men. Book. <laughs> Spoilers for season two of Romans. Romans. Django can't read. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Well, let's let's take a trip down somewhere um, that I do. I do. To Funky Town? To Funky Town with the wacky, waving, inflatable arm tube men. This one, you don't even necessarily need to be able to read to recognize some some familiar faces. <laughs> um, this is, I just have to talk to you guys. Django, will you present all of this to us and then we have to talk about this? I mean, really, the 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 main thing that you could say to tease somebody into wanting to read this is on, right there on the cover. It says three murders, 25 grand or best offer. And it's basically just like a, a real dirty, crimey story. Feels like... Uh, I don't know, like not something Francis Ford Coppola would direct. It feels way beneath him. Um, some of the same actors. Some of the same actors, yeah. And uh, yeah, it just, just follows a dude who has been contracted to kill somebody and it doesn't go super well for him. And this almost felt like with a couple of tweaks, it could have been a one shot in like a DC crime anthology to me. Um, really interesting art, which I think Jeff wants to talk about really. That's bad. what I want to talk about uh the art i thought the story was fine it was a crime book it wasn't bad it's jeff mccomsey jeff mccomsey wrote it and mike diodato jr drew it mike diodato's art is something i've always liked but it has become more and more of a type 
And this is overt photo reference. And if you doubt me, open it up <laughs> and you will see obvious pictures of Paul Giamatti, obvious pictures of James Caan, obviously pictures of the, the woman from The Watchmen, Re- Regina. She's, oh, she's that's the cop in is. here. Yeah, like oh, definitely. Regina and King, she, yeah. And she's hanging out next to uh, Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel is uh, definitely Batman. in this. So, oh yeah, that's Michael Keaton for sure. So I, like Sonny from The Godfather, James Caan is definitely like just- Ed s- Harris is in here. Straight up clear images. You're like, oh yeah, that's that scene from The Godfather that he traced an image from. I loved it. You loved that? <laughs> yeah. Because it was, so a lot of times when you see that, it, you, you know the image that it's from. Like in the Star Wars movies, you knew which thing they had traced to get mm-hmm. that. I don't think he's tracing all that much here. I think he's using a lot of reference, but I don't think that he's using like, I think he's looking at the reference and drawing the thing rather than just Photoshopping it until it looks like he drew it. Um, and because if, if it was just like the main guy looked like Paul Giamatti and everybody else looked like comic drawings, I think it would bother me. But having every single person in here be a famous actor, it just it, it, it kind of drew me in a little bit more than it would have otherwise. Hmm. I don't like Pixar animated DreamWorks Disney movies because they spend a ton of money hiring really famous voice actors. They're like, like, oh, it's Matthew McConaughey the whole time. But the whole time, all I can picture is Matthew McConaughey in a recording booth doing it. Like it's it's mm-hmm. so weird to me that they hire these incredibly expensive people who we know who they are to do these voices because to me it creates a huge barrier between me actually making that character on the screen believable. Because like just get the guy who voices Fry. Yeah, yeah, or, sure. Anybody. Or just get somebody else. Yeah, somebody yeah. who's like actually going to make the character live. This had that same effect to me, which is the whole time I kept being like, all right, who is that? All right, which image is it from? Like, I was like, it's so egregious that I thought maybe like there's some meta aspect of storytelling that they're trying to accomplish here because it it's, was so egregious. I, I don't think that it makes it horrible. I think that it comes down to what a person's preferences are. Like, obviously, yeah. I am wrong about the Disney Pixar thing because they're amazing and they win awards and everyone I know loves them. But I that's, have it. That's one of the weakest parts for me, too, though. It's just, yeah, it's a barrier. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm always one step removed from the movie because I'm thinking about, oh, yeah, that's Alec Baldwin. Crazy, they got Alec Baldwin. So this, <laughs> this is just a, a barrier for me that way. And if it was just like likenesses of James Caan, that'd be cooler than like, oh, yeah, that's the scene where he's drinking right before he goes to the tool, toll booth and gets shot up. Godfather spoilers. Um, so I don't know. I, that, I don't like it that that choice but i do think that i would be interested to talk to hear you know talk to him and see what he has to say about it like and what is he doing we're sort of assigning some method to what the art is like is it photoshop is it not is it ref like we don't know and if it's one or the other it's okay or not okay like i don't know it's you know all of that it just it's an interesting conversation to have i remember when you were reading the bendis malieve daredevil thing and like when you were seeing the like you know this kind of thing corrupted with that but it really bothered you yeah because i knew exactly the photoshop filters that they use to do it in that yeah um and and it it that felt lazy to me and actually there's a there's a tim bradstreet cover in another awa book that's out right now 
or that's about to come out. I think it was out. And usually I really like Tim Bradstreet, but it was the same thing where it's a, it's a heavily photo reference thing. But I think that that one is just like Photoshopped heads on. And I was thinking like Tim Bradstreet can get away with that on 99% of his stuff. But as soon as I see one that bothers me, <laughs> he's kind of dead to me forever. Yeah. I, you know, this one came across to me the same way. I remember you describing about the daredevil one. I was just I like, this it. is really lazy, it, but yeah. also, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's really, really bizarre. If you like the idea of hunting down pictures of famous people as photo reference, which is admittedly kind of fun, then you should totally <laughs> check this out. All of that aside, the crime storytelling within it was, wasn't bad, but again, it was Jeff talking about a crime book. So, you know, I thought the crime storytelling was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, that's just me talking about crime stuff. It's probably pretty good. It's crime. It's crime, Jeff. It's crime. It's, crime. it's, it's just, it's just crime. So Django, it's a, it's what, a city of crime. Ooh, Django, what did you give it? And what do you think I gave it? I wrote my scores down. I have it here on Papier. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I think you gave it a six. I gave it a seven. Oh, yeah. Nice. Like I, you old softy. I, I think that all of it combined, like it just ultimately, I think, comes down to how you're going to feel about having art that is referencing pictures like it, yeah. that's in. Yeah. And I think I fall on one side of it. Um, I normally I don't, don't love it, but I, I, I thought it was really well done in this. Yeah, it's, yeah. Or maybe it's Paul Giamatti, baby. Mood. It's Paul Giamatti, you know, it is. And the characters twitchy like, you know, Paul Giamatti can be and he gets mad at one point, just yeah. like Paul Giamatti can get mad. I had a hard time though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but Paul Giamatti wasn't that age when The Godfather was filmed, so the time frames of these picture references mm. are aren't they're You're not right. lining up. Yeah, You're right. Uh, James Caan hasn't looked like anything but an old man for about ten years now. Yeah, you're right. Good lord, he's old. Hey, before we go talk about the Human Target, we have two emails. <laughs> Uh, one from a new listener. I can't wait to listen to uh, Andrew Carlson's voicemail he sent us. I think I'm going to wait a little bit on that one. Let's get our new, I mean, we're going to listen to it today. <laughs> I mean, on this episode, but we got an email from a new listener from Justin Prouse and Justin comes into the store and I just have to say, uh, he and his wife come in and they are both so incredibly kind. Yeah. They're so nice. Oh my God. I've only heard like, we, we do a lot of stupid things like write a weekly email and it takes a fair amount of time and it's dumb. It's dumb. The same could be said about that old podcast we used to do, Papatorium or whatever that was. Well, but that's not this one. This is this is Roman's room. Right, that's keepers. an old podcast we used to do and ended. Yeah. This is yeah. this is Roman's episode. Roman's readers. Uh, yeah. The discount glasses you buy at Write, Write Aid to make sure that you can read your comics that week. <laughs> Roman's readers, $4.99, where you, my friend, are the fourth eye. Um, I buy a lot because I get royalties. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, uh, Justin came in and it was Wednesday or someday this week. And he had mentioned, like, oh, I was going to send an email. And I was like, please do. And he did. And I love that. And I love anyone that sends an email in here. Uh, Andrew, Will, thank you for doing it as often as you do, Nathan. And anybody else who hasn't and is thinking about it, please, please, God, send him. Please, God. Can I tell you, Justin's also the place. last customer that I talked to today. Nice. I saw yeah. he was on the list of transactions that happened. Oh, you sneaky little spy. Yeah. You know, I got to make sure I'm aware of the comings and goings of our store. Oh, careful. So, careful. That's trademarked phrasing there. You're right. You're right. I got to expand Don't this vocabulary. Us. Justin Prouse. Hey, all. Actually remembered to write in my question. ADHD zero, Justin one. Also, 
adding the fourth to a name makes it nuanced and profound. So I added it to your podcast title. I learned that from JTIV, of course. <laughs> I have not yet refined my eye for good letterers or the difference between them, to be honest. What makes lettering great? What are some examples that stand out to each of you? Has lettering ever ruined a comic for you? I know people can be turned away by writing or art. I'm interested if it can happen with lettering at all. Thanks for the time you spent on the podcast. Sincerely, one of your three fans. Love it. Um, three emails, three fans. That's We'd a great, like a fourth fan. That's a <laughs> Email great us. question. Roman. Yes. What do you, what do you, what do you think about lettering? You've been reading comics longer than any of us Um, in, in your time. What do you, how do you feel about that? You know, I never really give it much thought until it's badly done. That is, Um, I feel the exact same way. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and I don't know if this, I don't know if this would count as lettering Django. Like when we get one of those European comics, that's been, um, was originally in like a European uh, tabloid size and it's been reduced to an american comic oh, size that's the worst and and it's in it's you need a magnifying glass to read the tiny little lettering yep. um but that's not a let i don't think that's the letterer's fault that's the formatting mm-hmm. and translation i think I mean, it's, you're... it's yes yeah, it's the re the, the resizing of it that does that yeah yeah the actual lettering walt simonson comes to mind um though specifically his lettering on his sound effects that he did on, like mm-hmm. on four and fantastic four in the 80s i think Anytime you are confused about which text bubble is the next one you should read or who's saying a thing, that indicates kind of lackluster lettering to me. Um, and what was that? I, I was looking for the screenshot that I sent you the other day, Jeff. Where it's the second panel on the first page of Fourth Man. Second. If you're talking about the one about the farts. No, 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 no. That was a different <laughs> one. That was a pretty funny one too, though. No, it was... Uh, it, oh, here it is. It's... Uh, it's from Old Man Hawkeye. Yeah. And it's Clint somebody and saying, Flint. I never said it was a weapon, Clint, but the L and the I are so close together, they look like a U. And I actually thought that that's what it said. Yeah. And flick uh, that happens with two. Flick. So like yeah. Um, yeah. I think Roman's words are totally correct. It's the kind of thing that you don't notice it being poorly done until it's bothering you. It's, it's like a totally underappreciated art because if you're doing it well, it doesn't stand out unless it's really standing out. So... There's some pretty cool videos on Cartoonist Kayfabe's YouTube channel of them talking about lettering and showing the tools for lettering. And there's some really interesting tools that are used for people to be hand lettering things, but to be doing it in correct heights and like perfectly horizontal, like you line these things up and you can write. And that's pretty cool. I also know, so there's a lot of lettering that's like passed on to letterers. And then there's a number of like cartoonists that do their own lettering. And I think those are oftentimes a little bit more cartoony liking, but I generally like that type of thing quite a bit. Like when it seems like the artist is lettering it, Simonson did gorgeous lettering as well. And he would do like great serifs and things on there. What was the book that we read maybe two or three years ago that had like a serifed font for the, for the text and it was all lowercase, I think. I can't remember, but the lowercase thing stands out. I really don't like, like when things are lower. lowercased. Oh, and there's also that... like, if you ever have a hyphenated word, minus, minus some points from whatever lettering house you're from. Roman, what were you just... Was that series, uh, that makes me think of um, um, oh, that book we read for the Comics Place um, 
book club set up in the far north in Canada with the kind of Lovecraftian thing, and there was all the black hands. stars above. Oh, black stars. Yeah, above. yeah, yeah. Was that it, what you were referring? It wasn't, to? but that's a good point. That that one was kind of hard to read as well when they kind of mimic cursive. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've got to be honest, Justin. I'm far from an expert on it. I just know when I don't like it, and that's generally when it's too small or too dense or not capitalized um, or script or script and sometimes that's fun and atmospheric but i think it's an underappreciated thing and i think largely it can be done digitally now a lot of the mm-hmm. time so mm-hmm. it's probably a, an art that will slowly dissipate until only auteurs seem to do it i think now would be an appropriate time to mention and i don't i don't want to say his name but we have a mm. friend and uh friend of the store um works works with us a lot who used to letter for image comics mm. and uh I, f- I forgot about this. I don't know if I told you, Jeff, but at some point, comic book kayfabe was clowning on his lettering. Oh, really? Yeah, they were they were they were making fun of his letters, which uh, seemed like he he took as a badge of pride. Wow, that's pretty awesome. They did they mention <laughs> his name. I don't think they. I, I don't even know if he's really credited in much of it. Okay, but yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Um. He Thanks for the it. email, Justin. Anyone else can send us emails at jeff at thecomicsplace.com. I want all of them. I'll eat them up. And I can't wait to listen to Andrew's voicemail here shortly. But before we get to there, we've got to get to here. And that's the third tummy of the evening. Tummy number three is the human target number three by that's Tom King lucky. and Greg Smallwood. What did you guys think? I like bagels. I love bagels. Mm. I, I love like a schmear. I like small wood. <laughs> it it was oh. it was fun seeing Guy Gardner just being his eighties just dumb jerk. <laughs> yeah, just oblivious, <laughs> oblivious dummo. Yeah, yeah, and get and having him get punched out again by mm-hmm. somebody new. <laughs> and also seeing Booster Gold be his sort of oblivious, greedy, um, self promoting self too. Booster Gold is pretty wonderful in this, and I am not someone who's red jli so this hits his tone really well i think that booster is a lot more nuanced than a lot of people write him including um who's writing the the booster the blue and gold right now is that um steve orlando jurgens Jurgens. yeah and he he had a hand in the early work with booster gold but i think that this i think that this is some of the best booster gold around it's really Um, really good and funny in a nuanced way though like yeah. it's not stupid slapstick, which is kind of how I think he's and different. I feel like than how he wasn't like Heroes in Crisis, which is by the same writer, and how he was mm-hmm. in Batman. So yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess I guess the the mystery deepens, and uh, Chance is falling a little bit more and more for Ice, which can't be good, uh, especially since Guy Gardner is her boyfriend. Well, not thinks that he's her was... boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before he... she died. He says that he's still her boyfriend. She has no interest in him. Yeah, he's he's kind of just a jealous creep. And like, there's the panel near the end where he's he's talking to Hal Jordan, and just guy's pained face when Hal tells him that he's in trouble. I think was was really really good. And having somebody punch guy out is always fun. Yeah. And it's always and, and ever since that issue of JLI, was that the first issue where Batman lays him out one punch? It's like issue four or five, I think, but it's it's in the first in the first handful of issues. Yeah. And I, so I love ever since then and Christopher Chance doesn't hear one punch and you know guys just unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, it's so good. And it's so surprising that Ice, who was, they would have that line in here. Ice is nice. Mm-hmm. She was always such a nice, sweet character. And she's the femme fatale in here. There's a page toward the end where uh, Christopher Chance is, has driven her home. And his inner monologue is, don't get out of the car. She invites him in. He's like, stay in the fucking car. Good. Well done. Go home. And it shows his hand on the steering wheel. And then he says, but let me walk you to the door. And his inner monologue is just like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah yeah she makes a she makes a great femme fatale she does i loved it I, the art is amazing the, there's there's a choice that smallwood is making here and i don't know i almost wouldn't wouldn't put it past tom king to be directing some of the the choices with shadows mm-hmm. um because the, there, there's no nuance to the shadows if the sun is coming from a direction it's a straight line for where the light stops no matter like it doesn't contour mm. to people's faces or clothes i didn't notice that you're right it doesn't contour at all it's super sharp and it it fits kind of stylistically with the art and the colors but also i could see it maybe meaning something in certain scenes it definitely looks like that sort of art deco sci-fi type thing like the intro to the bewitched credits you know yep. like sort of like you know that type of aesthetic from like the 60s or something that you know like 60s sci-fi kind of yeah. um, like the shapes and angles of this that's a good point i i think that's really interesting and it could totally be tom king but i almost yeah feel like it's kind of the art because there's a, other aspects of that in here yeah. the art's really really incredible the coloring can't be talked about enough like mm-hmm. the, every scene has sort of a different palette and like that's kind of obvious when i say it but like no this whole first several pages it's like starkly yellow and green and the venetian blind shadows on there are, uh you know stark and it's the yellow and the green but it's also with a green lantern talking to somebody who you know the weakness to the green is the yellow like all of that's very interesting but every scene is sort of a different palette i really like that i really liked all the characters there's a great bit of sleight of hand stuff that happens in here i didn't notice and you go back and mm-hmm. a little twist at the end's a lot of fun i think it's a really interesting story I think they, Tom King did a fantastic thing once again by making me really like a story in the DC universe about a character I don't know or care about. And I'm like, right. it's a great setup. Like, at each, you know, each issue is one day leading up to the like seven days he's got because he's been poisoned or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it's a great conceit. I think my only complaint, and I think that it's probably me and not even a complaint, but I don't love the way that the narration bounces between the text boxes all of the time like it's it's pretty jarring and separate like there's a monologue going on and then there's speaking uh, mm-hmm. and it's it's just uh it's very bouncy and i kind of was reading one in a different tone than the other and i was having a hard time having a really strict sense of continuity but i think it's it's a noiry thing and like a pulpy detective thing so I just uh, on a comic book and with this degree of frequency, it was kind of I, I got a little bit tired of bouncing between both those things kind of the whole time instead of just at times. It's a noiry thing. And I really like it when he's kind of responding to the thing that was happening. But I don't like it when he's telling a story over the course of a few panels. So like when guy yeah. punches him and he's swearing, I like that. But when Ice is waking him up and he's like, my dad would ask if I was in a better place. And then Ice talks. I tell him I was fine. And then Ice talks. Like, I don't like that as much. I totally agree. I don't even recognize it enough to have been able to point that out. But I, I think that's exactly, I think you put the, hit the nail on the head with but when I, think I do like it and don't like it. Yeah. I think it's a rule for this kind of story. Yeah. Like he's yeah. got to have his nose broken a certain number of times per issue. And um, 
he's got a he's got to have an inner monologue like that and it works well in the like the how stuff and like at the end and the way that that yeah. reveal works sorry remember you should say something oh it is it is it is interesting i hadn't thought about that but i did notice today when i was reading this that i would tend to read his uh the captions that inner monologue stuff i would tend to read that i would read all that going down the page and then i would go back and read the word balloons uh-huh. <laughs> so i'm not interesting so i'm not doing it the way that they're intending me to read yeah. it <laughs> how do you feel how do you feel about the fact that you did that um i don't know because now because now i'm like well that's not what they intended but that's right. the way i'm doing it because it's I don't want to be distracted from the actual dialogue by these captions. <laughs> and I got distracted halfway through by trying to decide if I was going to be doing that or not. Like it was, you know, yeah. it was because the way that it was presented just wasn't quite working for me. So that being said, I'm, I've written down nine, 9.5, like really, really good. Um, but I, I'll, I'll just dock it a little bit for that. But I, the art itself is just like, it's a gorgeous book and it's yeah. silly and good. Yeah. I get, I give it a nine. I give it a 10. You know, one thing I really liked about it is his sort of innate ability to use psychology against the mm-hmm. whoever he's up against. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the end, he he does it against Guy. Like he uses he uses somebody else to help him. But also when he shoots at Guy, he's like, I know as well as he does that the bullet won't harm him, but it'll get us past some of the social niceties so he can start playing it straight. So like he's tired of just having a conversation with Guy, and he shoots at him just to just to cut to the chase and yeah, move it along. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Tom King's great and smart. All of them. All of them. I wonder if I tear the shadows apart and think really hard about whose decision the shadow style is because I always seem to overthink Tom King stories. Well, I think that's the good thing about Tom King, right? I mean, do you think that that increases your enjoyment? Like, like having something to chew on mull over Yeah, or think about, you know, like Bounce oh, around I, play with, I think that that's kind of what I love about Hickman and Morrison and why I always come back to them is that like, because they do put nuance like that in their comics as often as mm-hmm. they do, that even if they don't, I can find things and they consistently have impressed me by doing that. So then I always am kind of like, it's it, the illusion that it is larger or more intellectual than maybe it is because anything can mean something because yeah. they do see those things. I, 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 that really increases my enjoyment. Absolutely. Like when, when I messaged Mark Russell and asked if he meant to put a banana in a panel and he said, or to, to tell a certain joke with a banana. And he was like, no, but I have big plans for that banana later on. I definitely read that series a lot closer. I don't think he actually did, but um, his response was perfect. <laughs> yeah. That is response. He's got my number. He's a, he's a human target of a, of a man getting me to buy his books. Yeah. We have a little banana hammock at our house where we hold all of our bananas. <laughs> I really so, like that robe you're wearing. Is that from a banana hotel? It's from a pineapple hotel. I'm a pineapple person. Oh, Stay pineapple. pineapple hotels. Really nice robes. Uh, who wants pineapple to take us to person. time? P-A-P. Uh-oh. No, it's supposed to be a different podcast. Oh, no, it's Roman's room. I'm not a pineapple pars- person. Hey, let's spend a little time in the fourth gut. Roman, talk to me about uh, Marjorie with your friend Django, if you don't mind. Oh, that uh, Marjorie Finnegan. I mean, excuse me, Harriet Finnegan, Temporal no. Criminal mm-hmm. number eight. Hmm. Like it's a good Dennis. comic, wasn't it? It was a good comic. And this, I'm really glad I stuck with this series because the first issue I was kind of like, well, that was fun and goofy, but I wasn't really convinced I'd continue. But I've read them all now. And, you know, I, I got to learn just to trust Garth Ennis. He's one of those writers. He, you know, he never lets you down. No. <laughs> he does no, all even, his great. Even when it's not very good, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. All the great fun, you know, and he makes, you know, he's got 
a minor devil in here and the actual devil and it makes fun of religion and and all the things you enjoy him making fun of. You even have a Margaret Thatcher joke in here, which not being English, I don't really get Margaret Thatcher jokes, but I really <laughs> like it when English, when British writers keep on doing Margaret Thatcher jokes, you know, years after she's been gone. Yeah. And I don't yeah. quite get them on all the levels they, they're writing into it, but I just love that they keep doing it. I loved, yeah, the the volley of insults between, I think it's mostly between Harriet no, I guess I guess it's Marjorie and uh, Stan, which is like a misspelled Satan. Um, <laughs> I I thought that was I thought that was hilarious. Like she just keeps calling them hilarious names. Yeah, yeah. And there's some great because time is being played with and it's it's changing religions. I, there was one panel when they show the uh, oh when it, when the evil I forget his name the evil one is telling Stan uh, what do you know about the Tao and it shows the yin yang symbol. But it's a, a pair of dicks and balls instead of the, the, <laughs> the usual, you know, balance waves, the yin and the yang. <laughs> and Stan's all shocked. And, you know, it's just great. Because he's been messing with time in order to distract the time police and try to get them to fix the dick-shaped yin and yang to, to <laughs> keep them distracted so he can do his real magic, which is... He wants to he wants to have the first people who point at the sun and give it credit for their fortunes to see his face in the sun. Yeah. Which is yeah. just such a dumb, <laughs> dumb plan. And and he's gonna use this this machine that he's uh, what he, he says, what do we call it? The burlizer? And Stan gets mad. He's like, You can't call it that. He's like, What, you don't like Captain Beefheart? Which yeah. Yeah, it's it's perfect. Of course, the devil likes Captain Beefheart. <laughs> of course, <laughs> it's like the most abrasive loud music there is. Oh, I yeah. loved, it. like at the end when the when when the severed head buddy is lounging in like a super fancy severed head chair. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're right. This is just like the whole Lord of Evils plot here. His plan is so goofy it's like a it's like a a time villains plot in like you know 70s doctor who yeah. <laughs> it's just so dopey yeah and it's really fun well and the and the the goofy ending is also really like just kind of bizarro sort of cheesy 70s yeah it's a good comic man <laughs> this guy i mean do you remember when he wrote a thing a, a train called love is that what it was called it was like yeah i think it might have even been the same artist or some somebody kind of similar but it was just it was a rom-com by garth ennis and <laughs> it was awful for the first two issues and then it was like oh wait this is actually really charming oh wait there's a lot of good stuff happening here. <laughs> yeah yeah which maybe that's what all rom-coms are like and i just don't give them long enough oh I that's it yeah <laughs> well roman if you had to give this a score between one and ten what would you give it i would give it Oh, I gave it a 9.0. Wow. What about the series? You know, the overall series, I think I would give it a 10. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. This will be a fun reread, you know, in, in the trade. I yeah. assume it'll be wow. one trade. Yeah. I, I'd give it a 9 and a 9. I have a burning question, though, before we, I'm sure we got yes. an email or something. Jeff, what was that big pink thing you just put in your mouth? Oh, it's a, it's a LaCroix with grenadine and a little bit of milk. Mm. Oh, huh. yeah. It's like, an, uh, it's like an American soda. Yeah, it's like an uh, American Italian soda. Mm. Cool. Yeah, delicious. Grenadine. Yeah. So it's like lacroche and grenadine and milk. Yep, and it's limoncello lacroche. Well, limoncello. 
It's too many lemon crotch latrotch. Lemon. <laughs> okay, so um, it's not going to get better than that. Let's, That's it. Uh, Thanks for coming tonight, everybody. Uh, lemon crotch machach signing off. <laughs> it's been a good podcast. That's how it always is here on Romans Ruminants. Romans Ruminations. Before we go, let's hear an email from our or a voicemail rather from our good friend Andrew Carlson Fots, eternal friend of the show, or E Fots. <laughs> Like that, Django? Hey guys, mm-hmm. it's Andrew. Um, been a while because I've been just crazy busy and all that good stuff. But also editing the podcast, of course. Didn't get to last week because things have just been crazy around here. But thank you to the listeners as well for being understanding and awesome. Um, wanted to do uh, kind of in honor of the renaming and all that renumbering and all that with a good podcast. I uh, wrote an ode to the pap, uh, <laughs> a saga about Django's hatred of the name the Papcast. Um, so instead of letting Django chant it, or oh, no. Jeff possibly struggle <laughs> reading it, like some of the past things I've written in, I decided to say it myself. So oh, yeah. here we go. This is an ode to the pap, the title of a podcast that truly slapped. It had twists and turns and lots of laughs, but no one was prepared for when Django went daft. For when the smiles of the subs softly snickered in glee, Django's normal trashy demeanor went and ran up a tree. The man that loved Preacher, Transmet, and Crossed could not stand the nickname, a cause totally lost. So Jeff, Roman, and Justin pushed the cur to the cliff, pressuring him and making a tiff. He pushed back and got quite stiff, for Django really didn't like the flow of this grift. They fought and battled and swung all round, destroyed the shop and a portion of downtown. All in a mess of glory and grit, t'was a stalemate, not one gr- not one gave ground a bit. So now that the ruminants have roused their rears, our stomachs must prepare for the blood, sweat, and tears. Grab some snacks and maybe some beers, for here is the place Django faces his fears. We sing again of the power of the pap, a special name that was just the cap. Of an even better podcast, we will all miss dearly. But hey, at least we can all admit... It was perfection, nearly. <laughs> uh, hope you guys have a good one. Thank you always for the laughs. And to be on for a bookshop sometime soon so I can reiterate the dumb comics that I loved last year because they're dumb and amazing. Have a good one. R-I-P-P-A-P. R-I-P-A-P. R-I-P-P-A-P. Um, per, uh, perfect nearly. Perfectly acceptable. Ah, that was choice. That was, <laughs> that a great, was great. Andrew, thank you for <laughs> the amount of time that you have put in to this podcast. And by that, I mean wasted, just like us. <laughs> wasted. <laughs> um, but thank you. And thank you for writing that and sending in your wonderful voicemail and, and for writing it, for not letting Django read that chant because that would have been truly, truly abysmal. Although, who knows? Actually, season two, Jeff loves Django's chants. Oh. <laughs> No, I don't think I do actually. I actually don't think about stomachs for Um, you. Um, Django, what before we get out of here? Oh, I was gonna make you buckshot. I was gonna say, before we get out of here, I want to put you on the spot and have you buckshot. Spot, spot me, spot me, Jeff Ree. All right, already start. No, that would be (laughs) (laughs) but I'm gonna give you one minute and 17 seconds. All right, I'm ready. Ready, go, (sighs) petty little wimp. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> not all robots by mark russell mike diodato jr oh wait Rich. i did one hour 16 minutes and 47 seconds oh god second. start over <laughs> no one ever wanted that much Django no. ever. all right start again you petty little wimp <laughs> <laughs> 
Not All Robots, number five by Mark Russell, Mike Diodato Jr. and Lilo Ridge. Uh, I've, I've been kind of back and forth on this. This issue was really interesting to me, though, because uh, in the previous issue, the mother of the family killed their family robot. And now she's in court and she pleads her case to the, the robot court. And the robot says, oh, yeah, I stopped listening to you a while ago um, because I've already decided what to do. And it explains that um, the humans built robots to help them. And the only way to help the humans was to put them in these gerbil cities because they had ruined the environment outside of them. And in order to uh, like, like give them justice for things instead of, uh, you know, playing favorites with rich people and poor people and black people and white people, they're just like, no, we have a rule. We have an algorithm. You broke this rule. The algorithm says you are to be exiled. And we're actually nicer than you because we exiled you. We never kill you. And I thought it was a really interesting conversation just about, um, you know, the world. I also read Bylines in Blood, Erica Schultz and Van Jensen. Uh, it's a future journalist solving a crime in the future. And it was really good. I need 123 seconds next time, please. 123? Well, yeah, you fucked me out of five of them. I didn't <clears throat> fuck you. Oh, I, I forgot that this is the all ages podcast, isn't it? I didn't <laughs> fuck you out of them. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> fuck you. I didn't do that. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Okay. Roman, do you want a buckshot? What? Oh, geez. Do you um, want one? It's kind of impromptu. I always like to make sure, you know, Django can, has the option. On season two, we always make sure he's got the option. I, I don't know. Not necessarily, no, but I could. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, well, you know what, Jeff? I'm going to interrupt you. You got a minute and do. 22 seconds. Oh, Go. No. <laughs> um, well, I'm a petty little wimp. Um, <laughs> listen, I want to have it on the same spot. Like five okay. seconds. I, you know, right. I read Wastelanders Doom by Grombeck and Ota. That was pretty good. Grombeck it was and a Ota. little wordy, but... It was pretty good. They had some little bits about uh, Doom having to give up a memory in order to get to a place where Baron Mordo hides. That was a cool little thing. Um, talked a little bit about the Darkhold. It was good. Not as good as the other Wastelanders books that have come out so far. I was hoping for a little bit more. I also read The Magic Order number three. And if you're hoping for a different response from me about this one than the issue I just talked about, well, I, I hate to disappoint you, but this was fine. Um, I want this series to be better because I really liked the first one. Um, but this is just, it's good, but it doesn't stand out. It's not super memorable. It doesn't super stand out very much. Um, I guess I could talk about Inferno. I read some Monkey Meat by Junie Ba, and I I bailed out of this one. It wasn't a flavor of ice cream I wanted to put all over Roman and roll around. I mean, sorry, it wasn't a type, of, it wasn't a roomalade that I wanted all over Roman um gosh aioli. it's a wrong long aioli i it was a little disappointed in the wastelanders doom book that it came back to agatha harkness it was like okay like yeah she was in the it was almost the same plot as wandavision you know like oh yeah it was yeah a whole town tricked into just being passive and then agatha harkness remembers who she is because she was brainwashed yeah. and gets that's like this is all pretty 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 close and the, the memory stuff in there Reminded me of um, the Neverending Story novel, where, oh. where at the end Bastion has to mine for memories until he forgets why he's there before he can leave and do the rest I of his stuff. I used to love the movie when I was a kid, but I haven't seen it since I was like six. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and this, this, this I think might have been in the third movie. 
Um, but it was it was like near the end of the book, which it's a long book, guys. Listen, uh, that's a funny joke. Um, <laughs> um, I, I love this podcast, boys. I, <laughs> laugh at me. I'm funny. <laughs> I realized that in like May, I will have been working at the comic shop for 10 years. No way. Yeah. Wow. wow. Back when yeah. Roman had brown beard. 10 yeah. years I have been working that. at the comic shop in just a, just a couple of months here. Dude. That's awesome. Pretty crazy. Now, That's Roman, awesome. obviously longer, much longer than me, but I can pinpoint it to like the month because it was just a couple months before Roman went on his trip to Europe. Um, and that was like, I believe that was in the summer. I believe that was like maybe my, my rumination vacation. Yes, yes. Rumination staycation. So anyway, that's an interesting tidbit I realized today and told Sam. I'm just a couple months away from a 10-year anniversary at the store. So when wow. you started at yeah. the store, would you have guessed that, <laughs> no. that like None four years later, you would you would essentially be an owner and like a couple of years after that, you would actually be like technically an owner and, and now no. a magnate? No, 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 no. I, uh, I meant to just be there for like a year yeah. tops. Like it was just going to yeah. be, you know, like a year part-time job before I went to grad school and much like much of Bellingham. It's hard to just keep. You sure beefed that. I beefed it like a tomato sandwich. <laughs> beef, roast beef and tomato. It's a good combo with a little remoulade. Mm. Mm. Um, oh, aioli on the chest. Aioli? I hardly know. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. It's getting worse and worse. Um, thanks for listening to season two, episode two, uh, <laughs> where Django shaved his beard and you guys can't tell. Oh. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, some, you're good. Some, somebody mute his audio. <laughs> Only the, I can he's do. He's in that. control. Oh man! Um, you can send us an email like we advertised earlier. Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. It'll come to me. It makes us feel great. Romans Rumens has been a labor of love. It started that way, you know. Season one, it uh, it grew. Season two, it's just been a joy. A lot of momentum. Yeah, I'll say it's like a whirlwind. <laughs> you know, at this point, but as we've left the fourth stomach and we are venturing now out of the system, we are releasing you, dear listener, into the world. <laughs> I don't know if it's real That's or fake. Funny shit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's real and what's not. It's like a, it's like third, it's like we're in sixth grade and it's three o'clock in the morning at a slumber party and Django's finally just had too many too many popcorns and he's on the verge of having a sugar crash. That's not, that was the thing you said. I don't know what I even said. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> you are the funny one. Roman just left. Roman left. That's what's funny. I don't know what's real anymore. Uh, I am always am Jeff, and we finally upset Roman to the point where he just got off. I'm Jango. Today I was wondering. wondering. Where did Roman go? <laughs>